You're listening to Fix Me a Drink, a Flaviar podcast. Welcome to another edition of Fix Me a Drink. I'm Noah Rothbaum, Flaviar's head of cocktails and spirits. Joining me as always is my colleague and co-host, David Wondrich. How are you, Dave? I'm doing just fine. Yourself? I am very well. We have uh, truly an all-star episode. I think this is probably the first time we've ever had an Olympian on our podcast. Uh, well, we've had Olympic whiskey blenders and uh, exactly. epic distillers and, uh, you know, uh, holders forth. Exactly. Epic, epic uh, rock on tours, uh, mm-hmm. bon vivants, uh, drinkers. But this time we, we actually have Des Linden, who is a two-time Olympian in the marathon distance, She's the 2018 Boston Marathon champion, which was the first time that an American woman won the Boston Marathon in in, in decades. decades right. She also uh, just a year or so ago um, broke uh, the record for the 50K, um, which is incredible. Um, That's a and, hell of a distance. <laughs> I, I can't even imagine. Right, just, right. Can't even imagine. Um, Marathon's and, just not long enough is the thing. Exactly. For us, that's 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 why Dave and I don't do them because they're just why bother. Twenty six point two. I mean, you know, you barely no. get your shoes on, and and it's yeah. over. Well, at least the way that we run. <laughs> Des also, um, you know, uh, just is coming out with a new book. Yeah, she's got a new podcast. Well, a lot to talk with her. Her love of, of bourbon is is famous in, in running circles. Really looking forward to this. Des, thank you so much for for joining us today. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I feel like we have spent a lot of time together. Although it's it's usually me watching you run, like in the New York City Marathon with my family of Fifth Avenue or uh, on TV. So it's one of those funny relationships. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. And then we also we have the social medias, so I'm always following your content and uh, oh. got the copy of book. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much uh, for all the kind words about the Oxford Companion. Um, and, and now you just coming out with your, your book, Choosing to Run a Memoir, which is, comes out on uh, April 4th. So that's very exciting. Oh my. It's coming up quick. It's coming up very quick. <laughs> <laughs> How long was that in the works? How long did it take you to write it? We really started, I did it with a uh, um, Ghostwriter, co-writer, Bonnie Ford, and we started the proposal mid-2020, I think, but had had conversations prior to that, like, does this make sense? Is there a story here? Uh, Began working the proposal in 2020, and then spent about a year plugging away and actually writing the chapters and and then getting to the edits and the whole thing. So, been a process, a couple years. My old editor and mentor, uh, Charlie Butler, who uh, I'd worked with at smart money and then he become like i don't know the executive editors runners world years ago probably i don't like 2009 ted said look you got to do a story about this runner i hear des linden i hear that she really likes whiskey and bourbon and i was like (laughs) and charlie doesn't drink himself like he doesn't know anything about booze which, which i kind of love I was like, all right, like, you know, it's a good tip. And I, and I, for a long time I had, or a couple of years, I'd done the back page, the celebrity profile page of Runner's World. So definitely dabbled in, in that side. You know, we had done a story together 
for years ago for liquor.com and then and at the beast but it's kind of funny i you know he was he was so ahead of the curve charlie about you and 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 you know your career and just and and love of of whiskey but i guess maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about you know sort of how how you got into whiskey and and bourbon um to you know years ago good roommates <laughs> with, with, um, you could also get into it from bad roommates i have yeah <laughs> yeah i guess that's a good point maybe it was that um no he's a he was an endurance athlete as well and um he had a, a boss who was very into scotches and he would you know bring him all these bottles of really nice scotch like drink half of this have the rest mm-hmm. um and so that's kind of where we started and then we start like my now husband um, and I were like, well, this is interesting, but maybe let's go down a little different path. Scotch wasn't quite for us at that point. Um, so we started bringing bourbons to the table and then it was just like, everybody kind of bring your own thing. Um, and a, just a real fun social event with roommates to hang out and compare. And you know, we were pretty young at the time. So we had pretty unsophisticated palates and then it was about refining them and, um, you know, seeing what we liked and where that took us. So yeah, it was just roommates hanging out. You're all runners in that house, right? In in Michigan. So I imagine this was a little bit of a break from talking about running, you know, running outside, you know, uh, you know, so much of it, I guess your life was and still is devoted to running. So uh, it's sort of a happy topic that, that didn't involve running. Yeah, it was a little time to check out. I think you can kind of get overwhelmed with the world of running and splits mm-hmm. and am I eating healthy enough? And you know, is this the right thing to do? Is it going to make me or break me? I think when you kind of step back and take a little pressure off and find passions outside of it, particularly bourbon, because it's so, um, you know, people in the running space are like, how do you balance alcohol with running? Like, well, you can do it in moderation for one, you know, it doesn't have to be all in. And so I think that part made us feel a little bit like we were being bad, but we were not really being bad. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of fun too. Like, yeah, coach is going to hate this, but We'll do it anyway. <laughs> it's nice to have that outlet, you know, where where you could say, okay, I, I might be really careful about all this stuff, but I'm still a human being. And, you know, I can still like cut loose a little bit here without messing things up too much. Yeah, 100%. Back in the day, bourbon had the advantages. It was really cheap, you know? Yeah, I know. Looking back, I, I was um, thinking about the we would go to Costco and get some amazing deals, but we got a Elijah Craig 18 from Costco for like 36 bucks. Yeah. Wow. Come on. <laughs> like, wow. That's unreal, right? But you yeah. can sip that for hours. I mean, yeah. one glass of that, you know, you just keep like taking the tiniest little nips and that thing will, will, will give you flavor for, for a whole afternoon. That would cost a little bit more now. Like probably yeah. you could probably the price of a used car, uh, you could. Inflation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. I mean, it was definitely undervalued and underappreciated. And it's mm-hmm. just sort of, I mean, even at the time, it seemed kind of ridiculous that right. that these stuff would be selling for so little. And, and I don't know, you could, I mean, at least for me, I mean, part of, compared to wine, one of the advantages was that, you know, even 20 years ago, there's so many wines in a liquor store, but there are only a fixed number of bourbons or whiskeys so that... Mm-hmm it seemed at least a little bit more manageable to be able to taste your way through. And you know, also the wines changed every year, you know, <laughs> That's and, and true. If, you got, if you were talking to people who really knew something and you, you said, well, I got this, 
you know, uh, 2018 uh, uh, Mouton Cadet. And I thought it was great. They go, oh, 2018, you know, and roll their eyes. And you're like, what did I do? <laughs> I mean, I've had that experience often enough. <laughs> and it doesn't happen with bourbon. You know? No, no, usually. Did the rest of your roommates, like at the time, did they care as much as, as you and your husband about bourbon or or was it just sort of like... Yeah, it was a pretty good pairing. I guess we had um, one roommate who was not as much a runner and he was had a very serious girlfriend at the time. So he like wasn't as into it. And then another, mm-hmm. uh, the triathlete um, was our other roommate and he was the one who was getting these really nice bottles from his boss. And so... He was very much into it. We, he's he lives close by us still to this day, and you know it wouldn't be uncommon for him to swing by and be like, "Let's let's do a little tasting." And his collection's growing, and then we kind of meet them together every now and then. So, you know, how big of a collection do you know do you now have? Uh, you know, at your house is it and is it just bourbon, or is it now grown to other whiskeys too? We're mostly bourbon. Um, I think that's kind of what we found we really like and when you have the collection and you're kind of like staying in the same space and doing the comparing and contrasting, um, it's nice to just keep adding in that direction. So it's, it's definitely stayed predominantly bourbon and we have, we actually have two homes. So we spend time in Rochester Hills, Michigan, and we have a really nice, uh, I'm going to say like maybe 45 bottles down there that are pretty big range. And then, mm-hmm. um, up in our place in Northern Michigan in Charlotte, it's kind of like a, cottage type place so you're there for the summer playing on the lake and then in the winter you're you know sitting by the fire but not much else to do it's, we're kind of in the sticks <laughs> up there. so the, the collection is tidier um, yeah. it's way more drinkable because you're going to that a lot more often you're like okay well, you're, you're not taking up ice boating up there no no haven't haven't yet my husband got into ice fishing and i'm like what am i doing wrong uh-huh. you have to really hate me to want to go ice fish <laughs> <laughs> ice fishing is weird Sport. It yeah. mostly means drinking peppermint schnapps with a, with a heater going, you know, <laughs> yeah. in a hole in the in, in the ice. But fireballs uh, big up there. <laughs> I went ice boating once, you know, when with the sail things, and that's okay. the most scared I've ever been in my life. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> it, it, you're you're going so fast, and you're just skimming right. on the ice, and, and it's right. like, like you're going thirty miles an hour, and it seems like you're going two hundred. I think wow. it's just wild. It's not a soft landing if it goes wrong. <laughs> no, no. It's good for hours. Yeah. Uh, craziness. We'll, we'll talk about death-defying sports. Um, obviously, I think, was it 2021? Um, in the spring, you set a world record for running the 50K, which Ooh. I had to do a little math, which is about mm-hmm. a little bit over 31 miles, right? It was a world record. And not only did you set the record, but you smashed it by like more than seven minutes, which I, I don't even as, as anything I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> I hope at the end of that there was like a special bottle of bourbon or whiskey that you know that 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 you celebrated with, or that was the the carrot after uh, that long run. You know, we were in wine country, I guess, Oregon wine country. So it was uh, Pinot's and we went out to this really nice hotel called the Allison just because of proximity and and enjoyed some nice Oregon wines. And then we came home and my coach um, is a bourbon guy himself. And he found this nice bottle called Three Chords, pretty reasonable, and um, shared that with him. So that was cool. Are there other bottles? Obviously, you had a 
epic, uh, well, several epic Boston marathons, right? I mean, you know, a couple came in second, right? And then finally winning the whole thing, which is pretty amazing. And you're the first American woman to do that in decades, right? It, I mean, talk about a miserable day. I mean, that was driving rain and cold. And just, I mean, I don't know whoever thought to have a marathon in Boston and <laughs> in the spring did not really look at the calendar for what the weather is like in no. Boston. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's amazing that, that anybody finished that day, but, you know, obviously, you know, you, you pulled out an incredible victory. There was that, is there a bottle in the collection that is like the, the Boston marathon bourbon? I feel like after a win like that, everyone wants to give you um, a gift and right. many mm -hmm. people all of a sudden were very onto this um, bourbon thing. So I got a lot of bottles that were like engraved or like a oh. signature, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah, which they're cool. And like, you don't even want to open them. Um, we did go to Woodford and had an event where we uh, made our own barrel, which was phenomenal experience. Sat down with the master distiller and mm -hmm. kind of went through the tasting and just high octane bourbon. And they're like, you should probably spit that out. But you're like, that's so good. <laughs> that was a really fun experience. And then we yeah. had the bottles at the end and we called it the champions collection. So that, that was pretty neat. And, um, immediately after the race, one of the, uh, workers with the BAA, Mark Davis, a person I had known for a long time. Um, he's a big whiskey guy and he had a, a bottle of, um, it was red breast. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. And he was like, I'm giving this to you. It's like freezing cold. You need to have some immediately. And, he was like, let's have some of this and, you know, cracked it open and, and shared a small little sip there. Mm -hmm. um, so that was cool too. That one's just very special. Cause it was, it was his, he brought it for like post-race party and like we're done working. And he was like, you have to have this. <laughs> so cool story. I love that part of your book. I mean, you, you kind of, you pull out the whole Boston marathon run throughout the whole book, obviously. And, you know, the part where you're like, you know, should I take off my jacket? So, you know, for the photos and you're like, you know what, I, it's, I don't care how cold it's too cold. And, you know, I've lost by a few seconds before like jacket stays on. Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> I guess gives a sense of how miserable that day really was <laughs> to be out on the course. Yeah. yeah. It was definitely like, I really want this on, but what's the protocol with like, the you know bib numbers being visible and there's all these silly things and then i'm like i had no idea what was going on behind me so it was just like i'm not going to mess with anything in case someone like what if i'm playing with my jacket and someone passes me how silly would that be right? oh that would be so bad <laughs> yeah how embarrassing <laughs> I'd like to think that like after, you know, the, the, the marathon's over that like, you know, in, in New York or Boston, or I mean, there are obviously marathons now all over that, that all, all the runners go out to like a bar, like, you know, and, and have a cocktail or a drink. Is it, is it like that? Or is that like just my fantasy projection on the marathon world? Yeah. I, I mean, every race is a little bit different, but I think runners, once they cross the finish line, they're so excited and you, mm -hmm. you know, kind of put a lot on hold and sacrifice quote unquote for so long that you're like, I got to let the hair down a little bit. And in Boston, they usually have an after party for the 30,000 people are all invited and it's at, at Fenway, right? So it's open <laughs> and everyone's getting their Sam Adams and the whole thing. Um, and then for the professionals, they, they do a kind of a, professional party and then sponsors are there. So it's a chance to, you know, show some value to the sponsors, yeah. say thank you. And 
all that stuff. And, um, it like accelerates really quickly because you have these a hundred pound max really, you know, runners who haven't had a drop of alcohol in three months and they're like, <laughs> let's go crazy. So um, in Boston, it happens a place called the Red Lantern and it's, it's a little like Vegas. Like what happens at the Red Lantern stays at the Red Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I mean, it's funny is that it hasn't changed. At least that hasn't changed since like 1975 when Bill Rogers won for the first time and uh, uh, he went to the Elliott lounge because that's where everybody goes or, or went at the time, there was free champagne, which made him very happy because he was a graduate student. He never got free champagne and he had a couple glasses of champagne. And then the, the bartender hands him this blue drink and, uh, and he's like, okay, I'll drink that, I guess. Cause I had free champagne and, uh, it, it turns out it becomes his signature drink, the blue whale, which they still make all over the Northeast. You can still get it in upstate New York and places like that. It's very funny, but, uh, yeah, uh, Tommy, uh, uh, Tommy Leonard, uh, was, was the bartender who was also a marathoner. He made it up for, <laughs> for Bill just because. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, that that area, I mean, it was just a different time where like yeah. running was celebrated and like you do have those stories, the Elliott Lounge, and if you do like Falmouth Road Race, uh, obviously Boston, any of that New England area, there's just a ton of them that have history and uh, mm. it, it had a different feel, you know, it was a lot about not partying, but you could go and have fun and not be like an unserious runner. Well, I got the sense, you know, it was a small scene. It wasn't like they, they weren't filling up Fenway Park with the runners. Right. <laughs> you know? And and it was just kind of clubby and everybody kind of knew each other. And and people were doing it because it was it was a great thing to do. And it not, you know, maybe because it was an organized sport because it wasn't so well organized. Right. I love the footage of the original like New York City Marathon, which I think was run all in Central Park. And it's like Fred LeBeau in like a. Mm -hmm. white cotton like tank top and like you know i mean like just the 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 clothing that people wore like is not you know the all the high-tech fabrics and everything <laughs> i live in brooklyn a uh, quarter of a block from the from the uh fourth avenue race route uh here right right up by the clock tower uh you know the the the, the big uh uh bank tower uh, where they always used to have John Tesh set up to play his elevator music live <laughs> uh, for, for the runners. Uh, but uh, and I've been living in this house since 1986. So uh, we used to go up here with our downstairs neighbors. We used to walk up in the morning uh, in our pajamas because this was Brooklyn in, in the 80s, you know, and nobody mm -hmm. really cared uh what you wore and so we'd be sitting in our uh, sitting there in our pajamas watching the runners come through and it was always really exciting there was hardly anybody watching because uh it was the 80s in brooklyn and uh so it, it, you you really felt like you had a connection with the runners uh you know as as, as they came through it was, that was very exciting but uh yeah it was a much smaller race too i don't know if john tesh would motivate me to to run up fourth avenue <laughs> <laughs> well, it would it would kind of work like uh, one of those wheels that used to go round and round in the Hot Wheel like accelerator because right. you know <laughs> you run past him faster. Right, exactly. Shoot <laughs> down, shoot down, down the next avenue just to get away. Obviously, you and your your husband have a coffee company, right? Um, Linden Times. Two, uh, you know, how much of your time you know is now spent 
on 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 the coffee company i wish it were more for me um ryan's like the roaster he kind of does all the business and it's it's his project for the most part i um i'll cup the coffee with him occasionally and and critique it and then he's like why why did i invite you to do this (laughs) (laughs) my hard work uh no he does a great job and he's he's always open to feedback and I, i think i'm and I help him with um, just the maintenance stuff sometimes, like shipping things out. I'm like, oh, I'll make the boxes or I'll label the bags, right. like little things mm-hmm. like that, shipping here and there. But he's he's the mastermind. He's doing a good job with it. We've um, either growing or staying really steady you know, over the years. And I think the coffee's getting better and better. So it's been a fun project. And, you know, when I think about retirement, like, okay, maybe mm-hmm. there's more time for that or, you know, figuring out how that fits in will be a big part of it. Do you think ever that, you know, I mean, obviously making coffee and blending coffee is is similar in some respects to making whiskey and, and blending whiskey. And Dave and I were just talking a, another episode about how like some of the early scotch blenders were, were tea blenders. I mean, they didn't really mm-hmm. drink coffee in Scotland, but tea blenders and wine blenders. Do you think that you and your husband would ever go down the route of maybe doing your own whiskey or your own like you know whiskey blend it's tempting um and then it's like there's probably so much work you know i think um Mm -hmm. i wouldn't want something that's definitely a hobby and a passion to become something where you go like well now this is a chore um so at this point it's more like let's just keep that in the fun Mm -hmm. um, side but you never know i think if we had more time to spend on it and we're starting to really analyze and think about it more and more. We used to probably go down the road really quickly. Um, so we just haven't allowed ourselves to have that happen yet. Do you find yourself going to more like distilleries, you know, whiskey bars as you're, as you're traveling around the country for events or for races or, or, or training? Yeah, I think we sort of gravitate towards that or even friends when they're like, Hey, let's meet up. I found this spot that I know you're going to love. And then you get there in the you know, whiskey bourbon menus, like three pages long. Like, okay. <laughs> I see how you pick this place. So there's no food here, yeah. but we'll have some drinks. Um, so that, that happens frequently. And yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's uh, kind of how the coffee thing started too. Like when you're going to races and stuff, it's like, go find the local roaster and throw out the running shoes and put in the coffee bags and as the racing winds down and it becomes a little less serious and I could see that happening, like an uptick in like a little more post-race or evenings out um, while on the road. So we'll see. Choose the races by whatever <laughs> else there is around there. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think there's one in, where is it, is it in Bordeaux? I think where, that you run by different chateaus and and the farther you get, the better the wine is like, so it incentivizes you to run obviously yeah. further, but they each put out like a spread in wine. And I, I don't know that I, I think I could do, well, I don't know if I could do the marathon, but I, I could do the eating and drinking part, but I don't know if I could do the running with the eating <laughs> part. It's a little. Yeah. Uh, a but, fast walk. You got this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Three days later, you know, it, you know, so it's not exactly like the Boston where you have to qualify oh, yeah. here. You do it in three <laughs> days or less. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be cool if you had to hit each stop, and then you're tracking on your GPS, and then it's like extra mileage for the weaving. You right. know, <laughs> so it'd be very odd, like Strava profile. I mean, you know, you'd have you to. You can do uh, that up in uh, Speyside in Scotland. Oh yeah, know, yeah. Where right. All the distilleries are within like like 20 feet of each other it seems like 
It's like, oh, that one. I thought that was up in, you know, uh, miles away up in the Glen somewhere. But no, it's right down the road. Next door. Right next door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our friends uh, at Buffalo Trace, um, they do a 5K on July 4th, which is actually, I think, that's become ever more um it started, I think, kind of as like a fun run and it's become ever mm-hmm. more competitive because Mark Brown, the CEO of Buffalo Traces. He's naturally so, competitive. He's naturally competitive, but he's very smart. He's also a runner himself. And I think it's gotten, you know, where, you know, there are some professionals who who run that race one day, um, which will be uh, fun for the whole family where I'm like, for July 4th, we're going to go to Kentucky. I'm going to run a race with the distillery. <laughs> like, but um, I've always wanted to do that one, which is let, let awesome. me know when you book that. I'll, I'll tack on a trip. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Well, that that, would, that would be a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I don't know. They, uh, I think they they've been doing it now for 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 a couple of years, and I don't know. I don't know what the winner gets, but I hope it's like a giant bottle of Pappy Van Winkle or something or mm-hmm. Weller. You even know, a this, small one at this point. Even, even a small. <laughs> Take it. A mini. Yeah. A mini. You know, obviously the, the 50K was was a big one. Are there other, do you have other, you know, milestone races like that that, that you want to do? or? Uh... Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I have a couple more marathons in the future. I'll do Boston this year. Um, I'm going to run the Olympic trials again. And I think that the longer distances are calling my name and, and just different terrain as well. So I went out to mm-hmm. UTMB, which is a really long race, but there's shorter categories there. So I could see a 50K um, on the trails. And then I think uh, Comrades, the road ultra marathon is just super fascinating in South Africa. Um, just iconic. It's kind of like the Boston Marathon of, of ultras. So that would be really fun. Um, yeah, it's just kind of bucket list stuff now. You know, I think that after, once I get through 24, um, it's just going to be about going and having a ton of fun. And, you know, I think that there's an opportunity to kind of create a space that looks a little like that, uh, Boston early era, you know, where it's grassroots. And, um, I think that something I'll try to unlock for people and, and see if we can't rediscover it. I wonder if the Olympics, I mean, you, you are a two-time Olympian for the marathon distance. I wonder if they would ever introduce like a longer race, you know, uh, like a like a 50K or something. Which... Yeah, that would be fascinating. I think it, it's a totally different sport. So there's yeah. like certainly room for it. I don't think it steps on the toes of the marathon. Um, track's obviously very different. I think that would be a great consideration. And then um, cross-country, I think, you know, oh, yeah. actually, mm-hmm. I think cross-country belongs in the winter olympics i just think it's such a natural fit there it's rugged and you can have conditions and the whole thing so yeah. two, two ways to include more running in the olympics which i think would be great we always hear stories about how the olympic village turns into like a party zone once the olympians are, are done with their own events mm-hmm. obviously you've been to two different ones is that is that accurate like or is that just overblown fantasy <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. <laughs> can confirm. <laughs> you don't want to be the last night because it's like everyone's, you know, do it. They have a different agenda when they're done. A lot of times you don't get the whole stretch of um, the games to be in the village. So you have like your events complete and there's like a second half and a, you know, first half and a second half to right. the, the events. So like it could wind down for a bit, but then there's a second wave of people who yeah. are finishing and staying out the rest of the week in the village so um yeah it gets it gets loud <laughs> I, I can imagine like it's like some it's like uh 
sort of like finals week in college or something where people are like, <laughs> come on, like I'm trying to study here. Like keep it down. And like, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go somewhere else. Um, That's pretty spot on. Yeah. <laughs> on the international scale. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Congrats on, on the new book. You also have a new podcast with uh, Kara Goucher, obviously another legendary American runner, which is uh, that podcast is just a couple of uh couple of months old right it's uh just uh this winter the nobody asked us mm-hmm. what does and Kara. so uh, just a baby <laughs> we'll look out for more episodes of that and uh absolutely we'll look out for you on the on the marathon route <laughs> awesome. yeah, we'll be, uh, in the city for the new york city half so all right perhaps we'll we'll toast at the finish line with some whiskey perfect there we go sounds like a plan we'll bring something good <laughs> i love it all right, cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fix Me a Drink. Dave and I encourage you to always drink responsibly. Cheers.